So, what I want to uh, what I want to do is uh, I want to start out and pray. I don't usually pray, but I think I want to right now. And um, so, Lord, we are uh, we are digging in to our hearts to expose the capacity that they have to believe you for healing. And uh, and and we've, we've got some testimonies already. We've got some issues. There's some questions. Uh, tonight is a night where I really pray, Holy Spirit, that you will help us open up, just open up and really talk about this and, and, and think about it. And then there's some people here that need prayer. Uh, I know we want to reach out and pray for Robin. She's struggling with some, some uh, in addition to the normal stuff that she's facing, she's struggling a little bit. And uh, I want to pray for that. And I know Jim uh, is still in a position where we want to see a complete recovery from stroke symptoms and other things like that. So we got some praying to do tonight, but we, we, uh, I ask that you help us just expose our hearts. Let your light and your love shine on us, shine in our spirit, and let your fire burn anything away that would stand in the way of us being, um, the believers that you, that you have called us to be, that you live in us to be. Lord, I just thank you and, uh, I bless you. So stir our hearts to be open to all that you're doing in the realm of healing in our lives, in our church, in our families. All right, thank you for that. Amen. Okay, so uh, the point that I was making last week uh, was, and I enjoyed seeing the Cormans, by the way. That was awesome. They're, they're just super sweet. Uh, healing is normal in God's kingdom. Our eyes and hearts are open to uh, our everyday kingdom and covenant opportunity if we're going to see healing in Christ. And healing is normal when you read the Bible because it happened all the time in Jesus' life. Healing is normal throughout other parts of, of Scripture. Healing is normal even in our life. And if you remember, and we're not going to go through these questions, but I said, what's, what happens at the end of the, the process of most injuries? And the answer is we get healed. It recovers. And, and the whole idea of recovery is an interesting thing because one of the words, therapio, that's a Greek word for healing used in the Bible, is a recovery word. It's a process word. We're going to look at a Scripture tonight that uh, also speaks of a process. And so when we get to the point where we're going to start sharing ideas, I've just got two questions I want to lead with. So, but this isn't something that raises a question. This is something that states a fact. The nature of God is described in Psalms 103 as the one who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And let me just plug some things into here to show you that feeling that healing, in fact, does fit in the norm of the kingdom. So, who pardons all your iniquities? That is the fundamental foundation of the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, is that I will have mercy on your iniquities and your sins I will remember no more. So, to extract God out of that or that out of God would be nonsense. Because uh, the death of Jesus, the, the shed blood of Jesus, all this stuff is there. So if it's nonsense to think about God in ways different than the one who pardons our iniquities, then it might be nonsense to think of God a, a separate from the one who heals all our diseases because it's brought in there. And the next one, who redeems your life from the pit, the whole process of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, sanctification, uh, growth, discipleship, all of that, God is invested in 100%. And it's spoken right alongside the pardoning of iniquities, forgiving of sins, and the healing. The last one, who crowns you with loving kindness and with compassion. Think about 
let's say uh, Hebrews chapter 2, where it reflects back on Psalms 4 and says, what is man that you're mindful of him? And he he talks about us ruling and reigning and doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, I I had a a, a wonderful Facebook discussion with a family member last week, and it's centered around how much the Scripture speaks about us being like God. Because a lot of people assume, and that was how the conversation kind of started, you're nothing like God. We're nothing like God. Well, but but the whole reason that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers was sent by Jesus, it says, is so that we can stand in the fullness and measure and stature of Jesus. Um, there, there's just scripture after scripture. Paul talked to the Corinthians. Why do you take one another to court? Don't you know you're going to judge angels? This whole idea of being crowned and being raised up that way. And it, it, Jesus says, you know, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. So my point is, if this is an accurate definition of who God is, healing is a part of that. Okay? So here are some scriptures that we didn't get a chance to read, and I, it gives me an opportunity to read my f- favorite New, New Testament now, which is N.T. Wright's. Um, I'll tell you some things that N.T. Wright's messed me up on later, but writing this New Testament isn't one of them. All right, so this is a little bit of a long section, but I wanted you to see it had a different little feel to it, and it brought up some points. Um, the things we're going to look for are the extension of healing into the faith of the centurion. In other words, we're, 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 talking not, we're not looking for a formula. And we're not looking for a religious doctrinal dogma that makes healing work. We're trying to see that the nature of healing is effusive, it is connective, it is able to be passed here, there, and everywhere. So the extension of healing in the faith centurion and the scope and the range of this healing up to and including raising a young man from the dead. So we're starting small, perhaps. I mean, we prayed for a guy with prostate cancer today. That's not small, you know. And uh, I did it with the same faith I did about my little nick on my finger, that unmentionable thing I told you about last week. Which is fine now, by the way. Uh, then the other one, hallelujah. Uh, glad we don't have to hear about that again. Uh, note that Jesus answers John and his disciples. Uh, we're talking John the Baptist. Uh, affirming his own stature as the coming one. And the thing he used to answer John's question, remember what John's question was, are you the one or should we wait for another? He says, well, follow me for a second, guys. And he healed him, healed him, healed him, uh, spoke the gospel to the poor, created some deliverance. So anyway, let me read it real quick. Uh, When Jesus had finished saying all these words in the hearing of the people, he went into Capernaum. There was a centurion who had a slave who was particularly precious to him. This slave was ill at the point of death. The centurion heard about Jesus and sent some Jewish elders to him to ask him to come and rescue his slave. They approached Jesus and begged him eagerly. He deserves a favor like this from you, they said. He loves our people and he has built, he himself built us our synagogue. Jesus went with them. When he was not far off from the house, the centurion sent friends to him with a further message. Master, he said, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I didn't think myself worthy to come ask you in person. But just say the word, and my slave will be healed. You see, I'm used to living under authority, and I have the soldiers reporting to me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. Let me tell you, he said, turning to the crowd that was following him, I I haven't found faith of this kind even in Israel. The people who had been sent to him went back to the house, and there they found the slave in good health. Okay, so see what I mean by the idea of it being extended, touching. It's not a formulaic thing. Some get mud, some don't. You know, it's it's uh, it's about the Lord. But I want you to think about something that the the centurion said. 
He said, if you just speak the word, Jesus, my servant will be healed. And then if you remember when Lazarus died, even in their discomfort and their disbelief, they said, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It is the presence of Jesus that creates the sense of assurance of that Psalms characteristic of the Father showing up. And so the question that I want to ask us is, are we trying to believe in healing and grow in our belief in healing? Or are we trying to believe in the presence of the Lord in our lives? Because I don't think there's a person in this room that would doubt no matter what the condition, everything from something horrible as an accident or something horrible as a disease or to a person who just expired. I don't think there's a person in this room that has a doubt, one, that if Jesus himself in bodily form were to walk out those doors, whatever that condition was, would respond. And so the thing that I'm kind of wrestling with a little bit is where is my unbelief aimed? Is it at healing? Because no, and I'm, I am applying what I'm teaching here in the sense that I do see it as the norm. Like, I've got two little, just at the end of their healing things on my knuckles. This one was over a month ago. This one was just like 10 days ago. And they're at the same level. This one received the same treatment as this, except that I thank the Lord and I start speaking over it. And it's healing in like three times as fast. We got a couple of testimonies tonight about stuff too, like that. But anyhow, I want us to think and not be afraid to think about this. Lord, is it is it really you that our unbelief? You you know what what your word teaches about us being complete in you, you living in our hearts, you being with us everywhere we go, uh, extending your hands through us, and so on and so forth. So that's just something I wanted to think about. Okay, let me go on. Uh, Lord, give us the faith of that centurion and the knowledge that you're innocent with us. Not long afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. His disciples went with him, and so did a large crowd. As he got near the gate of the city, a young man was being carried out dead. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widower. There were a substantial crowd of the township with her. When the master saw her, he was very sorry for her. Don't cry, he said to her. Then he went up and touched the buyer, and the people carrying it stood still. Young fellow, he said, I'm telling you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him to his mother. Terror came over all of them, and they praised God. (laughs) Is that a great turn of phrase or what? Terror came over all of them. This report went out about him in the whole of Judea and the surrounding countryside. And this was actually the incident that then provoked John the Baptist people to come. So, uh, again, I want to remind us one more thing. Jesus said later, and we learned... I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say the words. These words are not my own. They're what the Father's speaking. So when Jesus stands in front of a, a, a buyer carrying a dead body and says, what do he say there? I'm telling you, get up. We are hearing the Father and his heart. And we need to put our trust in that. So the disciples of John the Baptist told him about all these things. John called two of these followers and sent them to the master with this message. Are you the coming one, or should we expect someone else? The men arrived where Jesus was. John the Baptist, they said, he has sent us to to say, are you the coming one, or should we expect someone else? And then and there, Jesus uh, healed several people of diseases 
plagues, and possession of unclean spirits, and he gave several blind people back their sight. Then he answered him, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, people with virulent skin diseases are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor hear the gospel, and a blessing on the person who isn't shocked by me. I dare say that we're probably, some of us anyway, in the place where we're shocked when something does happen. And and God give us the grace to see that reversed. So, you can see the things I'm talking about over here in James. I want you to note the linkage of prayer for healing with the prayer and, and the singing of gratitude. Thanksgiving, gratitude. And gratitude flows out of a, a gratefulness for something that is a blessing. A gratefulness for something that is a gift. All kinds of things like that. The next is uh, the official place that uh, seeking healing and praying for healing has in the church and the church government with people. And again, the linkage between healing and forgiveness. So, this is a shorter passage, James 5.13. Are any among you suffering? Let them pray. Are any cheerful? Let them sing psalms. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over the sick person, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Faithful prayer will rescue the sick person, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed any sin, it will be forgiven them. So confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. All right, so the, the points. Number one is healing is dealt with in the normal sequence of admonition in this passage of are you happy? Pray. Sing. Are you uh, suffering? Pray. Are you sick? Call the elders. You know? Most of the time, I don't think of healing, unfortunately, up till now, I'm starting to. But most of the time, I haven't thought about, I've thought about healing as somewhat of a case by itself, not linked in with the fact of, are you happy? Give thanks. Are you suffering? Ask for prayer. Are you sick? Call the elders. In other words, it's just another thing that we respond to, to God, with gratitude. Another thing we respond to with prayer. Another thing we respond to with faith to reach out to the elders. Then the official place it has is just that. Um, so I would ask the question, why does Joyland not have a recognizable and familiar protocol for praying for the sick? Because it, it's there's supposed to be one. If we're going to have elders... We ought to be praying for the sick, and you guys ought to know that we can. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only way. All I'm saying is that this is as normal a part of the church as preaching. It's a normal part of the church as giving. It's a normal part of the church as sharing with people, witnessing, as giving benevolence or anything else. And if we'll just start thinking about it, it adds to the idea of that normalcy, to me anyway, that healing is just a regular part of people gathering together to worship God, love one another, and care for the world. Okay? All right. Uh, the linkage between healing and forgiveness. I don't know how to talk about this without sounding like I'm trying to scare us. And this is not the first time I've heard about it, thought about it. But for the most part, 
if you ask a Christian person, has God forgiven your sins? We will say yes. But healing is linked directly with this. I mean, actually, the forgiveness of sins is a byproduct of this testimony of healing. If you're sick, call the elders of the church. They'll anoint them with oil. They'll pray. Faithful prayer will cause you to be sick. And, oh, yeah, if you've forgotten, if you've got any sins, they'll be forgiven you. We put so much confidence in our doctrine about forgiveness that we never, ever think to openly question if you ask for forgiveness, God's going to uh, forgive you. But here's what I really, unfortunately, feel. I feel like that that is that way because you can see healing or not, but you can't really see forgiveness. So we're much more comfortable saying, oh, absolutely. Now, as a pastor... I know that all the time people struggle with whether they're forgiven or not. And so, again, I think our issue is with Jesus and what he did and who he is, not with uh, how is it easier to forgive sin or is it easier to heal the sick. And I'm not trying to even expose anything that I don't think we already know, but what's cool about this to me is I always have a ton of hope if there's a path through which I can change and that path is Jesus, is understanding him more, is being closer to him, is moving through him. And so I'm more comfortable with what I perceive as unbelief or a failure in my life now than I've ever been, because I know that there's no rejection, that it's just a matter of come, receive mercy. Jesus, shine a light on my false thoughts. You know, where am I believing the lie? Where am I believing the wrong thing? So uh, we're not looking for a journey from a sense of inadequacy in relationship to healing to a sense of adequacy as some mystical path out there somewhere else. It's right through the heart of Jesus Christ, right through the heart of him. And he happens to live in our hearts. So there's a bunch of this stuff that's going to coalesce really quick, I think. It's kind of fun. Uh, here's a passage from Acts that I just wanted you to see that it wasn't just Jesus and, and uh, stuff that this is... A, a natural progression uh, as the Holy Spirit is going out and empowering the church. Uh, Acts five twelve through 16, Many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles among the people. They were all together in Solomon's porch, while none of the others dared to join them, uh, though the people spoke highly of them. But more people, a crowd both of men and women, believed in the Lord and were added to their number. They used to bring the sick into the streets and place them on their beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he went by. Crowds gathered from the town around Jerusalem, bringing people who were sick or infested with unclean spirits. And that last line echoes what we see in Matthew chapter 18. It echoes what we see everywhere that Jesus is surrounded by these crowds. All of them were cured. All of them were cured. It wasn't just the apostles either. Philip goes down to Samaria. Healing breaks out like crazy down there. Who was Philip? Was he, you know, he was... The evangelists, they say, or whatever. So what I'm saying is it's not just that particular secession of apostles. It's not just that particular thing about Jesus. This is the characterization of the whole of the thing. Okay? All right. So here we go. Now we're up to what we want, which is you guys. I have two questions. 
Okay, my first question is, does God deserve gratitude and honor for all healing or only religious ones? Now, it's an obvious question. It's like begs an answer. But think how powerful it is to just come into agreement with a yes on that. He deserves credit for all healing. The normal stuff, the aided stuff, the supernatural stuff, the supernaturally accelerated stuff, the instantaneous stuff, the uh, therapeuo, you shall recover, says there in James. And, and so we can be a steward of this thought. We don't need a special revelation. Uh, we can be a steward of this thought. Okay? God deserves gratitude for making our skin heal, for making our livers purify our blood, for making, you know, I mean, think of the things you can eat and not die. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I mean, seriously, you know. Uh, do you see the point? And, and I think there's something to this because, um, like, I know that it helped today. Uh, that beautiful gentleman, you know, he said, I, I said, you know, we're, we're, uh, I've got a little pad here. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to be praying. And, but is there anything we can pray? He said, well, actually, there is. Thank you. Thank you very much. He said, I'm battling prostate cancer and we're right in the middle of all of it. And I go, well, praise God. We'd love to lay hands on you and pray. And, uh, and it, even the lady who, her friend was trying to run us off because he didn't want us, you know, bugging her. She's sick. Barb's sick. Shouldn't have told me her name. Barb's sick. So she steps out to direct him, and I go, Barb, can we pray for you? <laughs> and uh, it was great. It was really great. Um, so I just think, you know, um, and I, I suppose there are elements here, I think, in my own life where I could settle for kind of mentality or something. I could settle for accelerated recovery. I could settle for normal healing. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that all around us, all around us, the manifestation of the nature of God is being, is being revealed. And yes, there's opposition to that. Uh, I mean, in some ways, I feel like Vic and I have faced a little bit of opposition just over the last few weeks, just drawing a line in the sand and saying, let's do this, you know? So, uh, I always remember what Bob Cornwall used to say about demons. He says, look, everybody's got to live someplace. He said, don't go hunting them up, but when they get in front of you, just, you know, mash them and keep going. And I think that, that that's a little bit of what we're facing there. So would you guys agree that God deserves gratitude and honor for the whole of the healing picture? Amen. So uh I would like before we go, or before we're done tonight, and before we do the ascension, I would like, uh, Tim, if you don't mind, leading us in a declaration about that, just that we declare that, you know, it doesn't have to be right now, but before we go, uh, Father, we declare we're grateful for all the healing that you have in the world. Here's another one. What does it cost to ignore almost all healings and focus only on instantaneous supernatural ones? It could cost the healing. It could cost us a consciousness of, of our role in healing, I think. Um, yeah. 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 Especially if you start trying to, uh, you ignore all kinds of other evidence. And we're going to have some testimonies in just a second that'll, that'll help. And, uh, this is really a talking night. Do we want to try to make everybody get up and go to the mic or do I want to pass around the handheld? I know. All right. Sorry, guys. You got to go to the mic. In a couple of weeks, we'll have two mics up. So it's easier access. Okay. All right. So, so any of you lame? 
people, you must get healed before you can go to the thing. Whoops, I went back. Let me go back here. All right, so what does it cost? What's the cost? What's it cost to ignore almost all the healings and, and uh, only focus on the instant supernatural ones? So I'll just sit here patiently until someone goes to the mic and answers that question. Okay, so one of the things that I think it costs you is like today, I woke up with a headache. Um, I asked the Lord to heal it. Uh, It didn't go away. I started getting nauseous, and I thought, oh, okay, Lord, this headache is really, really, really (laughs) uncomfortable. And um, so I asked if I could take some aspirin. So I took the aspirin. I took three, which is, if any of you know me, that's like very unusual. And it still didn't go away. And I thought, okay. So I texted Larry and I just said, hey, oh, oh thanks. <laughs> kind of in front of my face, sorry. Uh, so I asked Larry to, um, you know, I said, hey, I've got a headache and I'm nauseous and I'm, you know, going to try and make it down, but, um, you know, it'd be great if you'd, you know, pray with me. And so um, anyway, uh, he did send me a text of prayer, and but one of the things that happens if it's not instantaneous and yeah. supernatural is you can actually think that God doesn't care about you. Yeah. And you can think, well, what's wrong with me that you won't just take this headache away? The headache's gone. Um, it's completely gone as of worship time. Um, so, you know... I think that one of the things we do is when we expect it to happen within seconds or moments or any of that is that we we place a judgment on ourselves, if not on God. And so I think, you know, I I feel like the fact that I don't have the headache and I don't feel nauseous is because God has, has reached out and he's touched me and he's healed me. Um, but it wasn't instantaneous and it wasn't supernatural, but it was, um, it's gone, you know? And so I think when we are always only focused on instantaneous supernatural ones, we lose out on the, the sweetness of the blessing and just the little things. So that would be my. You got it. So we can be grateful for that. Amen. Me too. Yeah. yeah, there you go, Ryan. Is this your first time, sir? <laughs> yeah. I love all the discussion and uh, the teaching that Jen did on healing. You know, if any time that you've been a, for as long as you've been a Christian, you've been hearing different people say, well, I don't know that God heals, or how come he didn't do this, or how come he didn't do that? And one of the things, and I've shared this with many of you, but, you know, Meg and I have had instant miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. I mean, right on the spot. You know, I had a torn rotator cuff, and it was killing me. And it had been for months. And this gentleman at New Life Church laid hands on me. It was Tim's story for all that know him. Uh-huh. I was instantly healed. The pain went away, yeah. and was it was healed. Meg had um, scoliosis. She couldn't even see her feet, you know, so her spine was so bent over. She had instant healing of scoliosis. Yeah. And she could instantly see her feet again. Yeah. You know. And then we've had the ones where, you know, like the time I was in the hospital, we've had some very serious 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of take your life away type illnesses. Yeah. And um, I had prayer, and I believe I used to, in the hospital, I used to just say, Jesus loves me, Jesus heal me, until I could fall asleep yeah. with the extreme fever and chills. Yeah. And then you guys came in, a bunch of you came in, and we had communion. Yeah. You know, I think it was with cracker. Yeah, it was with crackers or not? Apples and Sip apples. apples. Apple and yeah. Sprite, you know. I, Took I a lot of faith. It, <laughs> it doesn't matter to him, but I mean, I was healed. Yeah. And a lot of people die yeah. from sepsis poisoning. And Meg had a diagnosis of cancer, and, and I was in the room with her. And a doctor said, we've done the MRI. Your, your whole body is full of cancer. Yeah, we're going to save as many organs as we can, but you're going to die. And Meg and I had been, been praying, and I said... I said, hold off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking now to the oncologist. I said, hold off here. I said, we've been praying. I, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and you haven't even looked at her. You just looked at the MRI. And she said, well, I'm going to examine her right now. So I stayed there, and she examined her. And she said, oh. oh. She said, oh, this doesn't look like cancer. This looks like some kind of benign tumor. I forget what she called it at the time. She said, but she said, I I think it could be all right if it was operated on. But I still think I should do a hysterectomy and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, that's okay, you know. And we went, and the next week, we don't get the paper. We got the Monday paper and huge print on the second pages, alter- alternatives to hysterectomies. And I saw this doctor in Denver. I got an appointment that week because he had a cancellation. My insurance covered it. And he did that with an outpatient surgery. Her problem that she had years of, um, I don't want to get (laughs) too much information. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but I was talking about me. I wasn't talking about Vicky. She she literally had a bleeding issue for years. Yeah. And the doctor said, Well, if you're bleeding, we, we can't examine you. So yeah. on and on it went. And just like that, you know, through prayer. Yeah. And God interested. And the seeds of faith that are sown in the scripture over just that exact kind of thing. Yeah. Or I got something going on in my skin, or I've got right. my eyes, or I can't hear, or I'm stooped yeah. over, or my arms yeah. damaged. You know, th- th- there's so much right. sown yeah. for us to attach to what Jesus has done already. Yeah. But I'm so glad you put that second question up there. Yes, because yes, we've had the instantaneous Mm -hmm. and maybe many of us had, you know, especially for smaller things. We believe for the small things and saw that healed in a relatively quick time like you did. But what about God using doctors sure. and nurses and alternative and medicines. And now so recently I, I don't know we if had guys... that teaching on glucose. You know? right, yeah. We're going to do that, yeah. you know, because yeah, that no, heals good. the brain. And... Uh, you guys remember uh, when Chris got sick, Chris Nelson? Yeah. And that was that was bizarre. I mean, he was on the road to dying. He had infection behind his eyes and his brain, a bunch of things like that. Yeah. I remember the day in the lobby at, at church where uh, a person seemed to get a word really felt confirming. We stood against that because there were some other things in there, curses that had been thrown his way and stuff. And we went down to the hospital that night, I think, and his numbers had completely reversed, and they were beginning to retreat. Now, it wasn't instantaneously, but it was an instantaneous impact over what we prayed, and that one had to do with like some demonic stuff and things like that. But, I mean, his numbers were going this way with death as a target, and they went just like that. 
over one prayer in the lobby with three people. So we just, you know, and maybe we need to think of healing a little bit more like we think of success. You know, the, the idea of the overnight success, three years in the making, ten years in the making, whatever the case. We need to just be there, be available. Uh, I'd like to follow up on this gentleman with prostate and see what happened, you know, because I, I, I'm believing. I mean, I, and it's even beyond just believing, okay, that's what we're talking about. I'm starting to believe this is just the way it is. I was listening to Dan Mower today, or uh, yesterday, uh, preach a message on healing at his most recent Power and Love event down in North Carolina or something like that. And he was, he was walking everybody through. He said, this is not a, 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 you know, a faith look, judge, faith look, judge kind of thing. This is just standing in faith, just knowing who God is, knowing who Jesus is in you, knowing who you are. And, uh, and you just keep praying and you keep believing. And he said, it's, it's a relational belief. It's a trust in what Jesus has done and who he is. And uh, it's very similar to what you were saying. Yeah, finished work. All right. Any other thoughts or questions? And then, uh, Tom, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of your testimony. Tom Tom came to me and he said, uh, I feel like I don't have quite enough dignity reparated here, so I need a bigger chair. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what we got. I guess I better fix that thing. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have not because you asked not. Okay, know, Sterling? I don't know who it was that mentioned it, but something like this common phrase you hear, I don't believe in healing. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you don't believe that what just happened to your hand when you got that cut and then it took a week and the whole thing mended, you don't believe that that was real? And there's this – it's really interesting – uh, when people say that term, like, I don't believe in, um, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that. What that really means is I don't believe to a certain degree mm-hmm. how those things can occur. Um, but it's so strange because that's totally okay. Even though, like for me, uh, every time I have to give myself a shot of insulin, I'm supposed to, because the doctors tell me, give like do an alcohol swab. But it's ridiculous to actually do um, because there are millions of bacteria that you can't kill with alcohol. Uh-huh. So it's like an act of faith every time I give myself a shot. <laughs> so so I believe that I'm going to be okay every time I give myself a shot, even though it's uh, still it sucks because I have to give myself a shot of insulin. Um, I don't know uh, what more I have to believe in to somehow, like for instance, when I... Uh, have stopped giving myself insulin out of faith to kind of test that healing. Um, it, it it's really hard to do because then your blood sugar goes really high or really low, and it's really scary. Um, but I believe in it. I know it. I just don't know if there's something that I'm missing about my own personal idea of healing for like my pancreas to start functioning a little bit differently for. It you know those cells to be reignited or kind of functioning and working again like they're supposed to, um, and I you know there's always that hard reality that we have where we've heard so many perspectives that we struggle to you know accept or receive or somehow walk in our own faith healing right, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I struggle with that because I'm like oh yeah another su- good suggestion. 
you know, what, how do I test it? Well, stop taking insulin. (laughs) But I think that, um, I, I just, I rely on that believing in healing. Of course I believe in that. Of course I've had my own experiences. I've broken bones. I've hurt myself in so many different ways and I can believe for that. But I do struggle to understand, like, you know, what's the next step for me in my personal journey for believing in the bigger thing and what else do I have to do next? That's a really hard reality for anybody, right, who's in a situation like mine where if you don't take the medicine, that's that's dangerous. It's super dangerous. Uh-huh. And uh, so what's next? I don't know. Well, let me suggest just at least a couple things, and then I want to hear from you, Tom. One, we just talked about James chapter 5 and the fact that even though all of the people that are elders in our church and all the people that are board members and everything else believe in healing, we we don't actually have a regular protocol for that. We have an ad hoc protocol. You know, In other words, if you're sick, we'll pray for you. But I, I believe that we should – I think one of the things that's going to come out of this is I'm going to build into our church – that scripture so that whether it means we have healing rooms ever so often or whatever. And then, uh, you know, the way that the wording is, there is any sick among you. Well, that doesn't mean is anyone sick one time a long time ago or one time in the future or only, you know, it just means right now, like right now, if we, if we had, uh, like my answer would be different if we had a regular healing protocol where you could say, okay, uh, you know, I know the elders are meeting for healing next Thursday. Uh, I'd first stay home and, and watch a, a movie. Then I would say as your pastor, well, there's something you could do then. You could skip the movie and come to the, <laughs> the healing time with the elders and let them pray for you. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But but the point is, uh, you know, so keep believing and then take advantage of the opportunity and and, and, and surround yourself with believing people that do these things <coughs> no ahead, i appreciate your honesty totally um remember how i when i taught i also talked about the aspect of listening to what the what's the holy spirit mm-hmm. telling you to do which is a very personal thing so i wouldn't just say out of flippant i think i'm just going to test it today and it's just my natural deal but i bet if the spirit of god quickened to you I believe you'd have a revelation of something that you would have a freedom to to do it, and and I'd say that with anyone, because I would never tell someone uh, stop your medication, do this or that to prove something. No, what happens first is you have you have a quickening. I believe you have a quickening of the Holy Spirit, and you and you just have that like a gift of faith quickened to you, like oh. Well, of course I don't need to take it because I totally believe it in a way that it that's what comes first. It's not a performance. It's right. not a proving something. It's totally a spirit-led thing. And I believe that those steps can be incremental. In just It's just God's mercy and it's just our relationship with him and, and how, to, how to go about something. So... I had a, uh, I have a coworker, and I just talked to her about this today. And uh, this was just a great example to me of what I'm talking about. So she's worn glasses like 
most all of her life. And, and that's an easy thing like eyesight. We just, I think we just tend to think it's just natural. I just tolerate it. You just don't really think about it. Um, but she, she's been like intentional. No, I don't need to tolerate poor eyesight. So Holy Spirit, what, what am I supposed to lead me in this process? And so he gave her uh, a process and said, why don't you, I want you to, 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 um, have some time off your glasses, put the contacts in, which was a lesser, um, less power. And, and he's having this, this whole relationship with Holy Spirit telling her how to go about this. So, you know, it's like so many hours doing the contact lenses. And then, and then he says, uh, you're going to just progressively, have a lower strength of your of your glasses, and see that's just a progressive. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's going to be a progressive healing for her, but she's totally just walking this out with the Lord's guidance with that. And I believe that for you, Sterling. That I don't think you have to just go. Okay, well, I'm going to prove something today, and I, I'm going to test it. If He leads you to do that then absolutely, but he may tell you something else. So I think there's a ton of costs on that instantaneous thing, and that's usually where we think, oh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work, healing. Then you start I, looking for some reason why. It just happens to certain people. What's wrong with me? Did, whatever, what, yeah. Is God even real? I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's but, the, but the whole yeah. awesome thing is we is we walk this out with the Lord. Yeah. We walk it out in in. In, in talking to him, and he can lead us very personally on what that looks like. So I totally believe that yep. for you. Me too. That he will. Too. Too. The other thing I want to dismiss, though, even though I'm an elder and I'm happy to pray for anybody, but I also don't want us to get into a mindset to think that it's only elders that do that. No, 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 we, no, no. Yeah, because no. we all have that authority. We still all have that authority. Yeah, absolutely. All, my, my only point on bringing that up is that I can't find any excuse for us as leaders and elders to not avail ourselves of what the Scripture says as an overall part of praying every time you get a chance, continuing to pray, having your list, having this kind of thing. Uh, Dan Muller said something interesting in this message I listened to. And, uh, and it was this. He said, uh, you know, when the disciples couldn't, uh, deliver that kid at the base of the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus didn't say it's because you don't have faith. He said it's because of your unbelief. He says, you don't need a lot of faith. You need to believe. And the belief is not something that you attach just to a specific result. It's a belief in Jesus. It's a belief in who he does. It's finished work. It's something you gotta keep, you know, reminding yourself of. It's a finished work. We're, we're counting on something that Jesus has done to manifest in this world. I'm counting on, on, uh, the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in my life, but sometimes I'm still a horse's rear. Well, when I act like a horse's rear, I don't doubt that the Spirit of God is real and that I've been poured out on and He lives in me. I go, well, there's more work to do. So if I get stuck and my, I get sideways on a healing in my head, I just need to back up and refocus on Jesus again and not on the results and not on the, the, this one's harder than that one or anything along those lines. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm not trying to suggest that there's a special anointing. I'm just saying the scripture speaks plainly about it and it should be a part of our lives. So, Tom? Yeah. 
Tell us a little bit of your story and your thoughts. <laughs> well, um, so I have these uh, episodes of uh, lower lower back pain. I mean, severe. I mean, yeah. like debilitating. Debilitating, like, yeah. Like on the floor. Yeah. You can't move. You know, the red hot poker in the right-hand side. And that's been going on since, you know, the year we got married. Um, huh? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's our anniversary this month, 46. Um, anyway, uh, so it happened on on Sunday, and I happened to be in the basement, and I was yelling and screaming, and nobody could hear me because those old 95-year-old houses, mm-hmm. they really have thick walls. Yeah, they do. <laughs> So, um, so Tommy came down, uh, after about 20 or 25 minutes and I was just found someplace on the floor, which is where I was, um, and just tried to get in a position where it didn't hurt, uh, for a while. And, uh, so I had a a little bit of time to think and I said, wow, this is, this is really interesting because Larry just started talking about healing and well this isn't instantaneous so hmm so for a couple of days here i've had an opportunity to think about this uh-huh. uh about besides the instantaneous healing well what do you believe and i came to the conclusion that uh my belief is kind of like patience and long suffering uh-huh. and not really belief in in healing uh-huh and uh, like I was talking to you this afternoon, uh, I had an opportunity to think about, okay, what's my part in this? You know, um, I've treated this as uh, uh, something that I have to get past myself. i got to get it out of the way. Uh-huh. You know, it's just interfering with everything. I've, and essentially gave it a little bit more. Uh, power than it really should have. Uh-huh. So uh, usually, this um, the recovery on this takes you know at least a week. Usually about two weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I think I did it a little bit differently this time. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have you know all kinds of time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't you can't really uh, um, you can't really uh, get distracted too much when uh, you're sitting there in the chair and you can't move uh, very much. And you guys prayed for me uh, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday night. And um, Wednesday I was up. Thursday I was walking. And Praise God. Right here I am. And this is never, I have never really uh, recovered this quickly. Yeah, yeah. And this has been going on, you know, every year maybe two years maybe i'll have a a good stretch of three years before it happens but it does happen again uh Uh, and it's always been uh, kind of a an ordeal of two weeks and you know i make apologies for being being a lousy patient and bad tempered and and everything like that. So it's touching the whole of the thing, the emotions, the expectations. Yeah. Even that expectation thing. Let's, you know, let's speak against this thing being recurring. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's and this kind of gives me the uh, idea that maybe that's achievable. Uh-huh. You know, that, that that's within reach now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's really so, great. Anyway, so. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For, uh, you know, that, that, that whole idea of quick recovery, uh, the idea of changing the way you think about it, not to go back to the details about that little lump thing that I found, but one of the first uh, casualties of this new way of thinking that we were in the midst of was a prolonged uh, tolerance of fear that, oh, wow, maybe this is going to be something. You know, that just didn't even last seconds. And once that's out of the way, the whole thing starts to look and feel different. As your your, your mind turns back to the Lord, you begin to see that therapeutic idea of being a legitimate manifestation of God's healing. So all of a sudden, I'm going to recover, you know. And so the one the one person who had the shriveled arm in the, in the, the uh, tabernacle or the synagogue, when Jesus prayed, it stretched straight out, but other people recovered as they went. I mean, it was a short time. Uh, you know, Jesus was pretty potent and hooked into the Father. And uh, now he lives in us, and he still has the same connection with the Father that he had. Ours is a connection with him that we can keep nurturing. And and uh, a lot of it has to do with, with allowing in your mind room for unbelief. And once we can tackle that, I think that's going to be a fun, fun transition. Go, Ronnie. So the question is, what's it cost to ignore almost all healing and focus only on the instantaneous supernatural ones? Uh-huh. And I think what I'm coming up with is that it costs an opportunity for thankfulness. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably, actually, I know it's good to find areas to be thankful to God for and thank him. So I think it's a pretty big cost when that's taken away. Okay, cut that next segment. Uh, question. Yes. And that has to do with, I've had uh, some issues since 2000 or 99 and 2000 that have still, that are still with me and haven't gone away. Uh huh. And one thing led to another and now I have more and more conditions. And I guess I'm getting older. Uh huh. But, um, there's a, yeah, Tom's looking at me. <laughs> Well, it's all relative. Um, so part of part of the questions that I have had to do with faith, meaning whose faith is it? Is uh-huh. it Jesus's faith? Is it my faith? Is it my faith in Jesus? Yeah, my faith in Jesus's faith. Um, but something you said tonight is a total different perspective. That the idea that if I believe God is in me, and I believe that God when he was physically here on earth, did a bunch of healing, then it's not too big of a logical stretch to say, okay, God's in me. He can do the healing. What am I here for? (laughs) Just sort of here to carry him there, I guess. Um, So I'm not sure what to do about it. And I, I can just speak from a person that's been prayed for for, what is it? It's 2019 now. So for 19 years, I've had lots of different prayers and lots of different people. And it's hard in my life to not get jaded and not distrust a level of healing when you don't have it happen. Yeah. Or it doesn't seem like it's happened. Right, right. And then... Uh, That's that patience and long-suffering. 
patience and long suffering. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, scripturally, we're, and you say that uh, Jesus healed for people and they, or prayed for people and they were healed along the way. Um, is there other, ref- are there other references in scripture where, you know, people prayed for someone and then years later they were healed? Uh, I don't know of any in scripture that would span that kind of time. But I can take a fresh so, look at it. Those are just honest. Oh, yeah, I know one. Yeah. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. That was seven years. That might raise some other questions, but... Well, I haven't been eating grass lately. Um. <laughs> so, uh, but the the valuable part that I picked up tonight that I will try to remember, mm-hmm. and that's part of the struggle is remembering things, um, is the idea that God's in me, yeah, which is revelatory. I know that yeah. now. And so the idea that because he's in me, well, then he can heal. Here's what I believe. I do believe, and I'm speaking pastorally now, I believe that we struggle with a low level of faith and confidence in the person of Jesus in us. Mm -hmm. And so we try to substitute it with doctrine or formulas or bluster or all kinds of things. And so I think that we're making some real serious progress in what it means to be a Christian who walks in all these kinds of authorities and various things that we are, because we're starting to uh, even just ask that question. And one of the reasons that most people can't ask that question is because if you ask the question, do I not believe in Jesus very much? That will rattle your security. But what if that's not the case? So for instance, part of the things that I'm starting to remind myself on and think about is uh, look what happened to Peter after Jesus' crucifixion. So... uh, At the Last Supper, John records Peter saying, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus says to him, "Uh, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Or before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And something that, that most people don't connect, because there's a big chapter break there between John 13 and John 14, is John 14 starts like this. Uh, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. That is right on the heels of his announcement of Peter that you're going to do this. Now, if you go with the story, the narrative, uh, you don't see this, but if you listen to the revelation Paul gave about the resurrection of Jesus, it says that he visited first Peter. <coughs> Jesus is not going to abandon us if we have the courage to come to the grips with the fact that, wow, Lord, I don't think my problem is so much with healing. It's with you. And then one of the classic healing stories where all this whole thing about unbelief comes out as a factor is where, uh, you know, Jesus, for reasons that I still don't fully understand, cries out, oh, a perverse and unbelieving generation. And then the father responds before the disciples ask the question and says, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What, and you mentioned it, Jen. What a humble expression of where we're at when we're facing with more than we can go. And, and you know, uh, whether it's little things that 
almost, Tom, that you can surrender to that long suffering. Well, I don't really know if Jesus is going to heal this or not, but it's not going to make that much difference. If I just keep it clean, it'll heal eventually. That's not what I'm trying to get us to focus on. What I'm trying to get us to focus on is that the, the nature of God's image as it's released in creation and in us is a healing image. And that healing image was focused on Jesus, and it was obvious. And even what we read today in uh, uh, in Luke, where his answer to the anxiety of John the Baptist, and I mean, you guys think about what John was going through and what he was going to go through. Jesus' answer was not words. It was to take those guys that had come ask that question and say, follow me for a minute. Heal, deliver, heal, bring your sight back, heal, preach the good news and the freedom to the poor. He likes healing. He knows it's a tool, even if we don't. He knows. Jason? Yeah, yeah. We're designed to heal. It's the natural order of things. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, the whole redemptive process is a healing process. He's healing the damage that the lies have done. He's healing the damage and all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm not trying to separate it from the actual healings of physical things or emotional things. But what I'm saying is let's go ahead and allow ourselves to believe in the integrity of that whole process, whether it's a healing a broken arm, healing a dead person, healing uh, a confused mental state. Go, Jason. I had completely forgotten about something. So last night... I was walking on the side of the road, and it's built up about four inches, five inches. There was a car coming, and I went to step off to the side, or I was actually just trying to straddle the side. And I completely stepped off the side of the road, rolled my ankle almost to the point where it took me down to that knee. Mm. And, you know, you get all that adrenaline rush in and all those pins and needles and all that stuff. And I was a little upset because I had just started my walk. And I wanted to finish my walk. And I I have no idea what I even prayed. I was just like, well, thanks, Jesus, for taking it all. I want you to get what you paid for. So I'm just going <laughs> to release that to you. And, you know, for a little while, I'm just, you know, you're kind of doing this. And you're like, well, it doesn't hurt that bad. Thank you, Jesus, that by the time I end up walk, or finish my walk, I'm not even going to remember that it happened. It took about half that time. Really? That's what you prayed? It, that That's awesome. Is what I prayed. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. I totally forgot that just happened <laughs> last night. And so I think it, I, I literally thought myself happy over there, remembering that. I think paying attention to only the big stuff robs us of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the Roomba story. Oh, the Roomba story? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So the Roomba story. Yeah, it's a good, good testimony. No, it really was good. So uh, another walk, same road. Could be anointed. Uh, I'm not going to create a formula here, but uh, it was. It was exactly a week ago from last night at the same time, almost the same place where I stepped off, actually. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not weird about that stuff, but I possibly. So... Uh, last year, uh, Diane wanted a vacuum cleaner. You know, that's just not the most intimate thing to yeah. get your honey 
at Christmas, right? And so I'm like, vacuum cleaner. She's like, no, really, I want a vacuum cleaner. I'm like, yeah, sure you do. She's like, I really want the vacuum cleaner. So I got the message. And she wanted one of those little robot Roombas, you know, that she could just program and then would just suck stuff up while she wasn't there. I went and I got it. And they had a Christmas party. Somebody at work had won the one that they had at their Christmas party. So she was a little bummed, but she didn't know that I had gotten her one. And this person, a little bit negative, and so was complaining about how and just whatever. And so she's like, well, maybe I don't. And I'm like, no, you really do, because I already bought it, you know? And uh, any, what ended up happening is I took it back, and I got her a nicer one that she really, 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 really wanted. So this year, now she's back to, I really want the Roomba. I'm like, you didn't want a Roomba. You said it didn't, you know, so-and-so didn't, you know, these kind of things. No, I really, really want a Roomba. We're taking a walk last week, and I just said, Father, it would be awesome if Diane could get a Roomba for Christmas. Now, that was last Thursday. Friday was her Christmas party for <laughs> her work. They had one Roomba. We're doing the little game and stuff like this, and, and she passes it to the next person, and that's it. Now, that person gets to choose. Ah, oh, bummers. Missed it by one person, because if she had gotten it, she was the first person up there, she'd have got the Roomba. So the person gets up, and what does she take? The Roomba. She's like, and she walks over to Diane, and she goes, I want you to have this. That's and cool. And Diane was just totally blown away. So That's cool. It was cool. It was very Yeah, cool. absolutely. Anybody on Zoom want to jump in on anything? All right. I'm going to just close with one thought. Uh, and I'm not saying this is the definitive thought, but it's an answer to your question, Ronnie. Since we're not starting from a place or allowing ourselves to start from a place where we're judging things that are obvious, like, is God good? Does he heal? Is he a healer? Is healing for a day? Did Jesus do this? Is this a part of his thing? Is it a finished work along with this? You know, since those aren't the questions, that leaves room in our hearts and heads for other questions. And so there's some legitimate questions with your thing. Here it is. Or at least this is part of it. So whose faith is it? Well, is it your faith? There might be a component there because every man has a measure of faith. That includes you. And that's nothing you gotta, you're not, again, you mentioned something, Jen, about not, this is not something that Sterling has to prove when he's testing this. This is not the, we're not proving these things. These things are realities. What we're doing is we're participating in them. We're thinking, so you have some faith. What do you do with it? But it's not the thing that everything's pivoting on. It couldn't be, right? But you just need as much as a mustard seed. And I know you've got that because you've done some terribly outlandish things based on your faith. You know, I mean, you're you're willing to take risks. You're doing that. So, yeah, there's faith there. There's plenty of that. How about Jesus' faith? Well, who here questions Jesus' faith? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's a big 100% right there. Now, this might not be 100%, but it's not 0%, right? So... You know, what if it's, what if it's below average? What if it's 45%? What about your faith in Jesus? Do you have faith in Jesus? Yeah, because now this instead becoming some kind of doctrinal weirdness. You take, you take your faith in Jesus and you go, well, here's what I have faith that Jesus has. He has 100% faith. And I have that. 
And yes, I am counting on this to be linked up with with uh, my forgiveness and my goodness and God's with me and he's speaking to me and he's doing all this kind of stuff. So this, these seeds of doubt, potentially, don't have to stay that if we won't let it get into the realm of calling into question the things we already know and the things that the scripture plainly points out and the nature of God that Jesus totally reveals. So now the question to me, if you can ponder it a little bit, seems a little different. Like what's the relationship now here. And can I learn something from the centurion? Or can I learn something from Jarius and coming? Or can I learn something about from the dead kid? Because he had zero faith. <laughs> and it, and, you know, so there's, so these, the, 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 the integrity of the truth now is not in jeopardy because of these questions. You can really ask them. Does that make sense? A little? We'll work on it. Well, he didn't have any faith. I know, but he wasn't involved in it except for being <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Lord, that's uh, one of the options I'm claiming here. Yes, Vicki. Uh, I just had a thought, you know, when Ronnie, <clears throat> you were talking about, you know, it's been 19 years or like sterling with a, a, a sickness like um, diabetes. You know, I think sometimes we get at war with our bodies. And so... Sorry. <laughs> I think we need to make peace with our bodies. You know, that, yeah, I've had these things for 19 years, but start blessing your body. Start blessing your pancreas. Start blessing, you know, your mind or your eyes or whatever it is and just make peace with your body because you're not in a war. You know, your, your healing isn't warfare. It's belief. And, um, I mean, obviously, if it's demonic or something like that, you can go to war, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but I just think that it would be for, for, you know, those little aches and pains that just seem to stay with you and everything. They can, they can be the thing because it's not instantaneous. They can be the thing that just drags you down. And yet, if we would just make peace with our bodies and begin to bless our bodies and, you know, say good things about them and, you know, get really specific in areas of, of what's wrong with us, you know, we might see our bodies respond to that and then our faith rises and then, you know, the healing comes. So anyway, yeah. it was just a thought I had. Praise God. Praise God. You know, there's one other uh, realm here that... that <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's there's one other realm here that we haven't had a chance to talk about. And Tommy, it's it's the thing that you discovered recently. Plus, it's something you said even previously. You talked to me one time about somebody who was getting some amazing results uh praying for cancer when uh was it you that told me this that the whole mental posture towards cancer cells is that they're your enemy and this person counsels people to embrace those to to release love into those so that they're not out there acting independently in that sense. Okay, now there's a lot more to talk about about that, but that concept reflects back on this. And then Tommy's run across, what's the guy's name? Joe Dispenza. Joe Dispenza. Uh, Joe Dispenza is not a Christian, but he is uh, mooching off Christianity pretty heavy <laughs> because he's talking about this whole thing of, of, of connecting with, with the power that is within you, connecting the power that's within other people, seeing that power overcome the issues. And he's done some of that. 
And I know that there's a lot of believers, uh, or a lot, a lot of people in certain church circles that would freak out when they're thinking, uh, of, of somebody who's talking about healing or talking about this and not using just the name of Jesus. Uh, and I understand that there may be some caution, but I think the Holy Spirit is, is built perfectly to, to caution us in that way. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And that's the thing we're starting to understand. Yeah, please go, go grab the mic and, and we'll do it. And then we're going to shut her down and get going in the ascension. But this is obvious that it's an important thing to dialogue about and talk about because once you pull these things out of the light, I mean, out of the shadows, and you just start talking about them, like healing's kind of normal. God did it. A day in the life of Jesus, he healed everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Then we end up getting in a place where this is not such a foreign field and it's not something we just write off to somebody's anointing or something like that. Go ahead. Okay, let me just give you a little bit of background. Joe Dispenza was a chiropractic about chiropractor about um, when he was 23 years old. He's in his 50s now, but he was um, in a triathlon, and during the part where he was um, riding a bike, he got hit by a, a car going 55 miles an hour. His spinal column got crushed, and uh, and all of his vertebra, and he was on his face. And doctors recommended that he either have a spinal surgery, which had rods up and down both sides, but would leave him basically kind of disabled, or he could stand up and completely crush his spine and be a paraplegic or quadriplegic or whatever he was. Anyway, he decided not to do either. And so let me read to you what he said. Maybe I was just young and bold at the time of my life, but I decided against the medical model and the expert recommendations. I believe that there's an intelligence and individual, an invisible consciousness within each of us that's the giver of life. It supports, maintains, protects, and heals us every moment. It creates almost a hundred trillion specialized cells from starting from a, only two years old, I mean for two cells, it um, it keeps our hearts beating a little more than a hundred thousand times per day, and it can organize hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions in a single cell at every second, among many other amazing functions. I reasoned at the time that if this intelligence was real, and if it is willing, full, mindful and lovingly demonstrating such amazing abilities in me, maybe I could take my attention off my external world and begin to go within and connect with it, developing a relationship with it. And while I intellectually understood that the body often has the capacity to heal itself, now I had to apply every bit of philosophy that I knew in order to take that knowledge to the next level and beyond, to create a true experience with with healing. And since I wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't doing anything except lying face down, I decided on two things. First, every day I would put all of my conscious attention on this intelligence within me, give it a plan, a template, a vision, with very specific orders, and then I would surrender my healing to this greater mind that has unlimited power, allowing it to do the healing for me. And second, I wouldn't let any thoughts slip by my awareness, quote-unquote, 
taking every thought captive, that I didn't want to experience. And he goes on to say, that was the hardest thing in my life that I have ever done. Consciously, two or three times for three or four hours a day, consciously getting into that frame of reference where he would begin to connect with that power within him. Go beyond the pain, not look at the pain, get out of it. And then as he begins, to, and I've done a lot of reading about what he did and how he does it, and all, but basically he's putting into principles, you know, calling those things which be not as though they were, visualizing, which is seeing it already done, and not only seeing it, but having the emotion of that in of that seeing because what he's done and then he what he decided to do was within six weeks he was walking within nine weeks he was going around doing everything he had done before and he said if I can get this down he began to study physiology neurophysiology uh, epigenetics and all that kind of thing to where he said I wonder if there's a way to prove this and how your body, if you align it, can heal itself. So he did. He began to do um, have seminars where he would have people come in and take them through this process of being able to go outside of yourself and connecting into that quantum realm, because he's big in quantum, where there's no time. There's the uh, the realm of possibilities. You never have problems. You only have solutions. You only have possibilities, and you begin to take it from a level of living in the past where you've been, you're afraid of what's going on, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief. He addresses these things. Fear, doubt, unbelief, trauma, all those things that are in your past that are holding you into that realm of belief. And he actually was able to measure the frequencies of those beliefs Electro, I mean, he would do with EEGs, he would do lab studies and all this quantitatively proving faith works. I mean, this is my interpretation, but faith works. You know, God's principles work. And so what he, um, he began to see was that as people began to experience this, they would go to this level of where they would cross over in a sense and they began to feel the emotion of the healing of what it was like to walk without having take taking insulin without having to do this without being free he began visualizing himself going out and riding a bike again he began to visualize himself healing every single vertebra how every vertebra would would be touched by this intelligence and how every vertebra would line up with all of that kind of thing. And because of that, physiologically proven afterwards, but physiologically changed his body to begin to react to what his thoughts were, his beliefs were, and and he began to make new bone, and everything began to come into uh-huh. alignment. Yeah. And healing progressed. Yeah. So um, he also proved, too, um, 
that the higher frequencies of love, joy, peace, forgiveness. And he identifies them as those? Yes, yeah. he, he identifies them as those. If you can walk in the love, the joy, the peace, forgiveness, and all of that, it is a higher frequency. Yeah. That high, and, and when you begin to experience the higher frequency of excitement about, you see it, and you get excited about it, and then it, you're pulling it from that realm into your realm. You know, like like we're in heaven and kind from heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and it has proven true to me in my own life. For ten years, I believed God for this man to come into the kingdom of God, and I would just say it and say it and say it, and finally the Lord began saying, "You're not experiencing it." And I, and this was years ago. I didn't know anything about it. Either. So you're not experiencing it. And I, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, you need to experience what that's going to be like when he comes in. You need to experience what it's like for him to go to church with you, for him to talk to the children, for him to read the Bible. You need to experience that. And so I began to visualize that, not knowing what I'm doing, going, okay, man, and being grateful, 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 yeah. thanking, thanking, thanking. Yeah. And... Um, before he came in, he got to be a, a little ogre. And so, but I was standing by the kitchen sink one day and the Lord said, it's yours. It's yours. And I started laughing and he was grumping at me and going, and I started laughing at the sink and he, and I'm going, well, I got to stop laughing because he doesn't know what I'm laughing about. You know, but I'm thinking you can do whatever you want to do. I got it. I got it. It's mine. It's mine. And I just, so I would just go around going, I got it, I got it. You know, and just beginning to, I had it. And I knew I had it. And I didn't know when or how. And that's one of the things he said, don't put a time frame on this stuff. Just know the experience, the emotion, you got it. And he gives that to you. You got it. And then through a series of events, he came to the Lord. Yeah. I mean, right after, not too much longer after that. And then that has proven to be the same scenario. My sister experienced that thing with, she had severe asthma all her life. She was on a, a respirator at home and she would go into the emergency room and she would go, I know what it looks like, but I'm healed. And then one day she goes, I began to see it. I began to see I was healed. I began to experience that. And then right after that, the father spoke to her and he said, I want you to sell your machine. She wasn't, she didn't have it yet. I mean, she was, but he just told her, do it now. You got it. And so she did. She sold her machine and people were going, what are you crazy? And then she goes, no, I don't know. I just, the Lord told me, sell the machine. I got it. And she was completely and totally healed. Never had to go back to the emergency room again. Yeah. So I think it's like that with you, Sterling. I think it's like that with all of us. It is that going into that realm and, and last, well, this morning I had a drippy nose. I was just a mess and I went up in ascension and I sat with the Lord and I thought, you know, second Peter one three says, we have everything that we need. And I said, you know, I'm going to just crawl into you because Everything I need is in you, and I just love you. And I said, what do you want me to do about this drippy, junky nose and all that? And he goes, I want you to jump in the river. And so I jumped in the river, and he said, and just receive all that the river has for you. 
And so I did. In this little ascension in the morning, I got up and I have not had a drippy nose already all day. And so because you you can see it in that realm, you could see it in him, you can see the finished work, and you begin to experience the exaltation and the joy of already having it before it's manifested. And and one of the things that he proves actually through the EEGs is that once you can get intention in your mind plus emotion in your heart and the mind and the heart are connected and they're in cohesence, they're working together and they're flowing together, then it it comes. It just manifests. All right. So. All right. Thank God that, that uh, the Lord's helping us know that he is not just restricted to meeting with us on church on Sundays, <laughs> that he's out there working in people's lives and so on. Father, I pray that a credible witness will cross Joe Dispenza's path to to let him celebrate the name of that intelligence that he has come to know, the name of Jesus. And, and uh, so I just bless him. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you. Continue to cause us, Lord, to grow. We thank you that we know you and who you are. We give ourselves to that knowledge. We trust you. We thank you for your faith. We thank you for the gift of faith that you've given us. We thank you for living inside us. We thank you that you've given us access to the heavenly realms. We thank you, Father, that uh, um, that you love us and that this is all a manifestation of that love. And we begin to recognize and honor that, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.